Hey kids, this is Kristen from the future, letting you know that in this episode, past Kristen said dates that she got all the way wrong. So when you hear her say 1600s, know that she meant 1800s. Hey, Kristen, again? Do you, <laughs> do you not want me to anymore? <laughs> no, so you can. Hey, Kristen. Hey, for Um, And hey, listeners, and welcome to Do the Kids Know? That's this show. Um, <laughs> y'all know what it is by now. Uh, Kristen, on a scale of vacations, so we have, like, you know, from your cottage to a resort to backpacking, um... Where, how are you doing? Um, never backpacking. <laughs> no. Uh, where am I? Ooh, I am trip to cottage at the lake. Okay. I feel like the whole, like, cottage core, like, cottage core as a phenomenon, I think I've really seen explode uh, in the last couple of months. Mm. And I personally cannot relate, but that's cute for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I mean, I envision a cottage that has running water and electricity and is close enough to a town that I'm 10 minutes away from like a big brand supermarket. Um, it just, there's water in the back that I can go swim in. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, as we know, I'm, I'm like an amazing race type, uh, traveler. I want to see all the things, um, and run and sweat. Um, not in the woods though, but <laughs> in like a in like a European village or something, <laughs> or like an Asian metropole. That sounds fun. Um, well, yours is more realistic. Mine mm-hmm. is not happening uh, no. anytime soon. No, it's not. Um. Anyway, there's no segue here. Today's discussion <laughs> is meant to use our lived experiences to start and build on conversations happening around us. Um. So today, uh, it's June twenty seventh. And we'll be asking, do the kids know about the meaning of BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C? And this has really been prompted from a lot of conversations I've been seeing on Twitter recently. And also um, um, from this New York Times article from June 17th uh, titled, Where Did BIPOC Come From? The acronym, which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, is suddenly everywhere. Is it doing its job? And that's from the co-title uh, from the New York Times article. So even though we just said it, uh, we're going to talk about what this does stand for. Why do we need to distinguish these three groups? Uh, doesn't POC, people of color, include black and indigenous people? And what are some of these issues with the term? Um, so like was mentioned in the New York Times uh, article, BIPOC, or you might also see this term, um, IBPOC, stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And it's used as kind of this catch-all term to collect people who are uh, racialized, uh, people who are not otherwise um, read or identified as being white. I think I definitely started seeing it a lot um starting from 2016, I guess that was four years ago. But it's also around the time where I became more interested and involved in solidarity organizing. Mm. And um, 
There are also, I guess, other extensions of this term. Uh, you might also see the term QT BIPOC, mm-hmm. uh, which stands for queer and trans, bi- black, indigenous, and people of color. Apparently, people were thinking on Twitter that BIPOC stood for yeah. bisexual <laughs> people uh. of color, which I'm like, okay, I guess it's also, it's still me, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not it. Uh, if you are... Um, in the LGBTQ+, uh, um, you may find yourself uh, collected under the QT BIPOC um, umbrella. So I think we can spend some more time on the second and third topics, uh, which is why do we need to distinguish between these three groups? Um, if somehow you don't know, I am brown, um, South Asian, Indian, Malaysian, something like that. We can... That's a, South Asia is a whole other topic mm-hmm. that we can go into. Um, so yeah, I am not black. Um, I also don't identify as indigenous, even though there are some um, some thinkers, including some indigenous scholars, who say that all people of color are indigenous, but we've just been separated from our uh, ancestral lands and our uh, land practices. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's a space for me to take up, uh, especially because of my complicated uh ancestral lineage in relation to land uh colonization and occupation so i yeah i like the term not that i like any term but i (laughs) guess i i ascribe to poc uh as if i need to have a a label to mark my racialization that is not just um south asian i guess yeah uh, Kristen, how do you how do you feel about these these three terms in particular? I think I have a complicated relationship with these three terms. I am <laughs> black. I am not indigenous, um, and I wouldn't claim indigeneity because of colonialism. Um, and I guess if people call me a person of color, it's fine. But I prefer to be called black. And just a quick caveat: like these are you know, two individual experiences. Like, I'm definitely not, um, you know, trying to position my own opinion on this onto all brown people, onto all South Asians. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Kristen feels similarly. Yeah, uh, definitely not saying that because this is how I identify, you should also identify that way. If we have, like, similar trajectories, identify however you want for you. But I personally, as a Jamaican immigrant to Canada, prefer to be called Black. Yeah. And I think this is, like, why uh, recently, as this term has gotten uh, more and more traction, I guess, in um, mainstream writing, um, this is where I think a lot of the disagreements about the term have been coming up. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I really encountered this term when it came to... um, solidarity organizing and what i mean by solidarity organizing is organizing uh i guess across you know boundaries of difference that also shape a kind of um that also shapes a a certain kind of boundary of inclusion through exclusion Mm. so um non-black people of color black people and indigenous people including those uh you know people who fit more than one of those spaces. Uh, We have a lot in common when it comes to fighting for liberation. Um, Anti-blackness hurts all of us, not just black people. Similarly, how feminism helps everyone of all genders, not just women. 
Um, and maybe these might be topics we can go into a little bit more in depth uh, in another episode if people want to hear our thoughts on those because we have them. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, because we are all aiming for similar goals, um, basically like the liberation from oppression through racialization, it's an effective strategy to collect under one, I guess, yeah, under one umbrella to work for the same goals instead of fighting a similar battle on many fronts that are smaller and less effective. But this is from an organizing perspective where yeah. people who are Black, Indigenous, and people, other people of color have come together to um, bridge solidarity yeah, across these very like nebulous boundaries. Mm-hmm. what's not chill is being like, hello, my name is Prakash and I am a BIPOC, or being like, Kristen, yeah. you are a BIPOC. I think even before it gets to that point, I have an issue with it because I understand like solidarity organizing, but also just like the fact that even me personally, I call myself black, but somebody else who could be from Africa, somebody else who could be from, I don't know, South America, like somebody else from somewhere else in the world could also call themselves black, but we have no... Our lived experiences are completely different. The things that we're fighting for could be completely different. The ways that we fight for them are completely different. Our culture is completely different. I think that um, you earlier used the word umbrella. um, And I think I have a problem with BIPOC as a term because it is an umbrella. It captures so many things while also not acknowledging so many things that I think we should acknowledge, even if we are fighting in solidarity. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's also kind of like why a lot of issues with this term arises. Um, Especially because the experiences of um, oppression via racialization does not happen equally or does not happen in the same way uh, in different like westernized countries. Yeah. So uh, in an earlier episode, we talked about police violence. You look at rates in the U.S. and black people face um, the highest rates of police violence um, but in Canada uh, it's actually indigenous people who face the most police violence Yeah. Um, and obviously this is different in like places like Western Europe um, Australia, New Zealand and yeah like even these terms like don't make sense uh, when you leave certain contexts so we're, mm-hmm. like, we're sp- like we are talking specifically from our experience as Canadians but if you look back in the historical record, uh, black has not always meant like... Also, okay, I'm just going to backtrack for a quick second. Mm-hmm. The idea that your skin color determines your race also... <laughs> this, this is a very <laughs> new phenomenon, which is kind of... It's... It is... Yeah. It's... Oh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so you might be able to like... You might think that you can point out who a black person is. No. But that hasn't always been the case. Uh, no. And it, it still it's... is not all the case. Because race is a construct, how we have defined black, how we have defined race has moved the way that society has moved. So like in Canada specifically, if you were black in like the 1600s on the census, you wouldn't necessarily write that you were black because they didn't actually put it on the census as a way that you could identify yourself. Um, For example, like to, um, to give you a like concrete example, if you were like fifth generation Scottish in the 1600s, you would still put Scottish on the Canadian census because where you came from in terms of your nationality was more important than your race because again, race is a construct. Um, 
And so if you were black in that same time frame, there wasn't necessarily a space for you to write that you were black on the census. So you might say where like you wouldn't say that you were black. You would say that you were this other type of thing. So like I came from this place and it wasn't necessarily the color of your skin or how people perceived you that identified your race because race was about nationality. If you're hearing race as a construct for the first time in June 2020, I'm really sorry. Um, your educators have failed you. Yeah, you can you can you can DM me, not Kristen, and I will send you some resources. <laughs> but yeah, so race is a construct. Actually, if you want to know more about how Canada described race before now, you can DM us about that, and I will answer because that's actually really interesting, and not enough work has been done on it um but some work has been done on it and i'm interested to talk about that yeah nice um so yeah this kind of like changing definitions of race uh has not only applied to um black and people of color Mm -hmm. but also to whites like who we consider to be white has not always been the case no um especially in canada like you used to be defined as not the right type of white depending on where in europe you came from yeah, but then more and more of these, like, oh, I don't know, off-whites, I'm going to call them that for now. <laughs> I mean, I live with an off-white, and I do call them not the right type of white. It's a running joke. <laughs> a, a spicy white, if you yes. will. Um, but you shouldn't. <laughs> no, you really shouldn't. Oh my goodness, it's an inside joke that they are comfortable with. Um, uh, consent is a big deal here, guys. Don't take our inside jokes to people who don't know that they're jokes. Yeah. Please. Also, be careful of which white friends you bully because they might come back at you with some reverse racism nonsense. Ooh. But if they do, that's a good that's a good sign that's for you to just let them go. That's a good sign that they're not your friend. Because <laughs> um, reverse racism is not even worth having an episode about. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it doesn't make sense. It's not real. No, we're not entertaining that here. Um. But yeah, uh, specifically with the term black, though, it has different connotations in different countries. Um, yes. In the UK, I can't remember what the year was. I was trying to look it up discreetly, but then I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say in the 80s, with like a big, like, I don't know, uh, there was a little, like, the tilde <laughs> or whatever, the little, like, <laughs> squiggle over it, the approximate uh, symbol. <laughs> 80s. Um, there was a lot of South Asian and, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say African for now, solidarity in labor organizing in, in the UK. Um, because South Asians, I guess in the UK they're just called Asians, mm. um, and and people of African descent were jointly called black, um, and this is this has since obviously diverted. Um, now South Asians uh, in Britain and elsewhere, in Britain and Canada at least, and the US are no longer considered to be black. But this is just to show that these titles that we use to racialize people. Uh, yeah, are ever-changing and also highlights kind of like the precarity or like the limits of these kinds of umbrella terms um, that we used to like classify an entire like gigantic groups of billions of people. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that the Quebecois called themselves the Blacks of Canada at one point. Um, just throwing that out there. So race is a construct, race is a construct, race is a construct. So other reasons like why this term has seen some um, some resistance in the like recently. So the thing what Kristen said is um, 
uh, is really poignant how she is not uh, that, that she, like she's black, right? That's how she identifies. And again, not all like quote unquote black people identify that way, mm-hmm. but there is an importance of specificity specificity when we use these monikers to name ourselves. Um, they can be empowering or they can be objectifying depending on how, where and when and by who they're used. Because of our individual lived experiences, we can't talk about the I in BIPOC, but just calling the many tribes of Canada indigenous just removes so much culture and so much history because they are so different. And I think that like that, just blanketing them in the one umbrella is upsetting to me and I'm not even indigenous. Like, Yeah, because there are dozens of indigenous nations in Canada alone with unique languages, cultures, um, histories. And so even when people refer to North America as Turtle Island uh, in a show of like solidarity with, uh, I guess like with indigenous nations like again not all of them have the theme stories creation stories and all of them refer to this landmass as turtle island um so yeah taking all of these like individual nations collapsing them into uh, one letter and they're already a lot acronym yeah you know really like does a disservice when often when specificity is really what is required uh to address like particular issues facing particular communities yeah it's a uh, as much as i think that the term is good or has its uses i think it's another form of erasure and all of this work that we're doing is to stop the erasure of people who are not white um, and blanketing us all under one umbrella i feel continues that erasure Hmm. yeah i definitely agree that it's very context driven and i think i think this probably has like probably such definitely comes from my own situation experience as someone who is uh not black nor indigenous because at least when it comes to a canadian context there is not a huge amount of um like history or culture that i can pull from that like looks at like a vaguely south asian canadian culture or identity like there's not really um, kind of like maybe like a network I can tap into in the same way as there is like legacies of black and indigenous organizing uh, in Canada. Mm. So for me in my own research, because um, I look at, yeah, I like very broadly look at BIPOC organizing um, with, I've moved into like looking more specifically into South Asian diaspora like organizations. Um. But often, like, when you, when these communities communities get smaller and smaller, like, when you look at um, uh, areas with smaller populations, looking at, like, smaller communities, like, um, queer and trans um, people of color, um, yeah, often there might only be, like, a, like I don't know, a singular person, right? Mm-hmm. And that is not really effective to organize as oneself. Um, but often, like, you find, at least I have found this to be, to be, um, true in my case where I find a lot of like similarities in culture upbringing experiences with other people in the BIPOC umbrella or people who were uh, racialized um, often because of our experiences with oppression with microaggressions 
And even though what I experience as uh, someone who like reads as like um, a brown male, like is not the same as a Kristen who reads as like a black female, uh, we have um, a lot in common that maybe if one of us were white, we probably wouldn't have or wouldn't have the same understanding. So even if one of us was just white passing, we yeah. wouldn't have the same understandings. Yeah, and there's like there's like whole other conversations like within this conversation about colorism and internalized racism in our own communities. Yeah, but maybe that's that's an, another episode. Um, so our takeaway: Are the kids allowed to use the word BIPOC or the acronym BIPOC? I think so. Um, yes, I mean I use it, uh, even though I don't like it. I still use it because it is a it's another one of those catch all terms that makes it easy to identify the type of people that you are talking about and the type of people you are talking to and the ways that those groups of people suffer in the same way or the ways that those people need to fight against like the oppression that they all face. Um, I think it's okay if the kids use BIPOC. I just want them to understand that not everyone will enjoy the fact that they use BIPOC and the use of BIPOC means that there will be erasure of specific groups who need to be identified further than just this five letter term. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, uh, I mean, I have used it in like, <laughs> in like published uh, papers and stuff like that. So um, it'd be pretty, I'm not sure if the hypocritical is the right word to be like, Oh, actually I hate it now. Um, <laughs> Not that you can't change your mind and stuff, but um, yeah, I think it can be used um, strategically and effectively. Yeah. But really kind of like be cognizant of how when it's used, like if your aim is to support, um, I don't know, let's say South Asians, then don't cloud that by saying BIPOC. Like, I think where it's possible, like use specificity right um so talking about myself like if you're organizing you know or like doing work like for uh like tamil liberation or for like you know making a space for like queer indian people like that's like that's fine like you can like you can be specific about it if that's what your goal is right but if you're trying to craft a space that specifically for racialized folks, then BIPOC can be fine. Yeah. And again, English as a language is extremely limiting, right? Um, even these terms like people of color um, yeah, that means are so new. many people. <laughs> it means so many people, and like Black, uh, Indigenous, like these terms, like you know, we're not there at the dawn of creation, right? These are words that people have made up. Yeah, it's also. Um, yeah, I think that something needs to be said just for the term people of color in and of itself, because it once again says whiteness is the attainable thing and anyone who is not white, we need to lump them together as other. Um, like people of color is in and of itself othering all of us from whiteness. And then we've slapped these two other terms on top of it that are terms that erase so many cultural boundaries and geographic boundaries and just like specificity of cultural communities. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think last point is like really pertinent, especially because for a lot of (laughs) people of color, uh, (laughs) 
I can't get out of it. Um, you know, especially people who have like you know like have been fleeing like uh, genocide and yeah. um, you know other violences in their in their ancestral lands. A lot of that violence comes from the hands of yeah other people of color because they come from nations that are not white nations, right? So, yeah. um, grouping these people collectively under this umbrella, like putting people together with the people who have historically harmed them um, is harmful. Um, Also, I didn't really think about people of color in that way that you phrased it, how it makes us other from just people who are like white people. Yeah, like we need to make a caveat. Like people are white and then anyone else is a person of color. So I I feel like I need to remind myself this a lot, that we are actually in the majority. <laughs> um, so I'm going to propose that instead of people of color, we become people. And white people can be people of no color. Huh. Not my fault, you can't tan. Ah. <laughs> they can burn. Oh, <laughs> listen, because the sun is on our side, okay? <laughs> the sun, the sun, you heard, you heard it here. Ooh, you heard it here first, folks. The sun denounces white supremacy. Ah. And um, with that, I guess we'll sign off. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Bye. You can find us on these here internets at dothekidsknow.ca. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon, where we would love it if you could drop us a donation so other kids can stay in the know. Search the handle at dothekidsknow. Have you got questions, comments, concerns? Email us at dothekidsknow at gmail.com. And finally, please rate and review. That helps other kids stay in the know.